<clears throat> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen. And today I'm excited to introduce to you uh, a, a person that I consider to be a good friend, a person that is interested in the mental game and um, without, without, that without too much flowers and everything else that I could put on this introduction, I'd like to introduce you to Scott Erling, Weber State men's golf coach. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Riley. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, it looks like everything's going well with you. You got a nice beard. You know, you still, you still, you, are you working on your most interesting man in the world look? Is that what that is right I there? It must be it. I've just, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how things change in these, uh, these interesting times. And I've just kind of quit worrying about a lot of that stuff. So <laughs> I just kind of let it be and we'll, we'll take care of it later. Ruggedly handsome is what your wife told me. Ruggedly <laughs> handsome. That's I'm not sure she'd go with that, but I like All it. Right, okay. <laughs> um, Let's let's talk a little bit about your path and like where where you know where you played, how you got into coaching, all that kind of stuff for those that don't know you as well as I do. Okay, uh, yeah, I uh, I grew up in Idaho. Uh, like like most kids, my my dad introduced me to the game and and I just fell in love with it. it I just I couldn't get enough of the challenge, and I was I was fortunate enough to earn a scholarship at Utah State. Um, Played golf there for four years for uh, Dan Ross Kelly and Craig Sarlo. Uh, just had an outstanding time and and just knew I've almost known from day one that I just wanted to be in golf and and you know there's a lot of different avenues that, that goes down and you know I've I've done everything from rake bunkers to you know be a golf professional at a country club in the shop and you know it it kind of came down to you know as I was getting a little bit older uh, trying to figure out some things you know the the thing that I really liked the most about golf was playing and teaching and you know I I, I just kind of decided that if that's that's what I wanted to do to kind of you know kind of complete my career in golf and um, you know and, and coaching is just kind of a natural evolution of those things and and you know and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you uh, I, I got lucky getting the job at, at Weber State. Uh, Jerry Bovey took a chance on me. I'd been in golf for a long time, but I'd never been a coach. Uh, but, you know, I interviewed when the job came open and, and got fortunate to get it. And, and I consider myself just so fortunate, not, not only to get the job, but to get the job where I did. Uh, um, you know, so many great people work up there. We've had so many great kids. It's just, it's really been a blessing for me and my family. Awesome. Awesome. In your, in your experience, and I don't, and I've been asking a lot of coaches this, but what is your definition, not necessarily the, you know, the, the dictionary definition, but your definition of mental toughness? Um, I guess my definition, boiling it down most simply, is being able to do your best in difficult circumstances. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that it's just being able to, to bring the best out of your talent when things are hard, you know, we, we've all, no matter what sport, you know, you're going to have great days and, and it seems easy, whether it's football, bath, you know, basketball, you shoot it, it goes in, you, you almost can't miss, you know, golf, 
you know, every shot's good. You're making a bunch of putts. It just seems almost too easy. But, you know, there's always going to be the flip side of that where nothing's working. Uh, you can't buy a basket. You can't buy a putt. You can't do any of those things. It, it's that ability just to be able to persevere and, and maybe not do everything great, but find a way to contribute, find a way to get the best out of the moment. You know, to me, that's mental toughness. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think the term front runner came from just a person that can play really well when everything's going well and, and sure. can't play well when, 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 they're, when, when things are stacked against them or when a couple of bad yep. things happen. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great definition. Mm -hmm. do, do you feel like your definition has changed over the years or that athletes have changed over the years? Um, well, I, I think everything changes. Um, you know, my definition has probably changed a little bit. I used to kind of think that I looked at mental toughness, maybe more intertwined with like physical ability. And, you know, you just, you just saw, and then I, as I got older and maybe a little bit more experienced, I, I realized that, you know, they're, they work together, but they're not mutually exclusive. Um, you know, you can have not maybe the best physical ability and be very mentally tough and vice versa. You can have all the physical ability in the world and, and maybe just not be mentally tough enough to get the most out of it. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and as far as kids changing again, I, I think that happens just kind of naturally. Kids are more worldly now. They have a lot more experience at younger age. You know, when I played junior golf, you know, we played four or five tournaments. They were all local. I mean, I never traveled further than 80 miles. You know, I, I recruit kids now to play golf that played all over the country in huge tournaments. I mean, they they have so much more experience and are so much more ready to play at a higher level. It's it's really been been cool to see. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that you brought up is important. You know, you you can have all the mental toughness in the world if you don't have any physical ability. I mean, we, we can't pretend like there isn't some physical ability here, right? Sure. <laughs> so, um, or vice versa. You can have all the physical ability, and if you have no mental toughness, you're, you're not going to be good for much either. And, and yeah. it's kind of the combination of both of those that becomes really impactful. But Absolutely. I do, think, I do think that the person that has no ability that's super mentally tough is getting a lot more out of their game than the person who is really physically talented and not mentally tough. See, and I, and I couldn't agree more with that. I, I always tell our guys that all I expect from you every day is the best you can give me on that day. And I realize that that changes. And if you're having a bad day, you don't feel good and, and things just aren't going your way. And, and the best you can give me is a 75. If that's the best you've got on that day, I'll accept it happily. And we'll work on getting better. You know, the, the thing that drives me and I think drives most coaches crazy is when, you know, something's not going well and, and things just aren't going right. And, and a kid just kind of throws up his hands and says, I just don't have it today. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give my best. I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow or whatever. And, you know, that, that's so frustrating for me because, you know, in golf and, and in everything, you know, the, the margin for winning is so small anymore. You know, it's, it's one shot here. It's one shot there. And, you know, we can't always shoot 66 every time. I wish we could. It'd make my job a lot easier and a lot more fun. But I understand that that's not reality. But, but if you can give me a 75 and that, that was the best you had that day, 
hey, we'll we'll take it and we'll work on getting better. But but that's all that I ever expect from my guys is just give me the best you got today. Yeah, and in a way, you're talking about consistency, aren't you? Like consistency of effort, consistency of want to every single day. Ab absolutely, you know, and I think that's what we're all striving for. You know, I I would much rather have have the guy that I know that I can just that I I can I can count on his effort. I can count on his determination. I just I know that whatever score he turns in, that's the score that that he was best able to shoot that day you know again I think with with most coaches yeah you may have a guy that's say in basketball that that scores let's say he scores 20 points a game but but maybe he's a eight one game 40 the next 10 one game 36 the next you know in golf is it's the same you know you got you're on the roller coaster you either play great or you play terrible I mean you know I I personally would rather have that guy that I that doesn't get on the roller coaster that just, he's always striving to get better. He's always striving to shoot lower, but I don't have to worry about the, the super high, you know, scores and, and what kind of effort I'm going to get from him, whether it's at practice or in the tournament on any given day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you, do you think you can recognize mental toughness when you're trying to recognize when you're trying to recruit kids? Is it, um, is that an you easy know, thing? Is that a hard thing? I I don't think it's an easy thing, but I think it's uh, it's something you can do. That's I would rather I always want to see a kid, you know, a kid that we're interested in. Obviously, want to see them play well because, like we were talking before, I need to know that you have the physical ability to play well. But I always hope to to watch a kid when he's struggling, and and see what his body language is see what his attitude is, you know, I see how he treats the people that he's playing with, see how he treats his parents, you know, things like that. Um, because, because that's, then I'll know who that kid is. You know, if, if you got a kid that, that when things aren't going his way, you can still tell that he's grinding. He's still trying to get the best out of every shot. He, he's trying his best. You know, he's respectful to the people he's playing with. He's respectful to the officials. He's respectful to his parents. Then I know I've got a chance. That kid's going to be respectful to, to me and our other coaches and the other guys on the team. And we can work with that. You know, the, the kid that, that can't control himself, can't control his emotions, a lot harder to, to deal with on a day in and day out basis. That makes sense. What do you think is your biggest failure so far? And what did you learn from that? Um, I think my biggest failure so far is that, that I wanted to fix everybody and everything immediately. I mean, I think, I think sometimes as, as coaches, you know, we, we are obviously control freaks. And, you know, when I was first coaching and learning how to be a coach, I, I think I, I got on the roller coaster too much. You know, I got, I got too happy yeah. when things were going well, too down when things were going bad. You know, a kid makes, you know, a one bad swing and I, I want to fix it, you know, or he makes a mental mistake and I want to fix it. And I, I've, over time, I've just finally realized, you know, you, you can't, you can't fix everything immediately. Everything's a process. Everything's going to take time. Be consistent, be patient. And, and in the long run, it will pay off. So I, I, I've always 
tried to, once I started recognizing where I'm like, you know, you can't be like this because you're going to give yourself a heart attack. You're going to give your kids a heart attack. You're going to give my wife a heart attack, you know, <laughs> just got to chill out a little bit and, and just try for some more consistency. So you're, you're one of the coaches when I came into Weber state that was, was really into the mental game that that might've lended <laughs> itself to the sport. I think, I think the sport of golf is, is a very mental game. Sure. Uh, where do you think that came from? What, why was that important to you? Was there somebody who influenced you that way? Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, and there's always been different people, but I think the thing that influenced me the most, I was always fascinated by, you know, why, why are people successful? You know, I, I played a, a ton of high level golf and, you know, I'd played with guys that, you know, they didn't, at least in my opinion, didn't have that great a swing, shouldn't have been a very good player, but they were really good. And, you know, and I'd see guys, you watch them on the range, you're like, this guy is going to be a world beater. He's going to be fantastic. And you get out there, and, and at the end of the day, they, they just they couldn't play. They couldn't control themselves. They, they, they weren't able to shoot a score. So I, I think that's kind of where it started, just being curious and fascinated by the fact that, you know, there, there's obviously more to it than just, you know, standing up and making a pretty swing and hitting the ball. And, you know, so I, I tried to learn a little bit more about it, talking with people, observing people. Um, you know, my, my first, my first uh, introduction to actual mental training was when I was at Utah State. Uh, Dr. Rich Gordon right. worked with us and the team. And, and, you know, I just a lot of things that he talked about really fascinated me and, and, you know, when you look at golf, you know, go golf, I think, is probably the most mental game because you have so much time, you know, that you're actually not playing. You know, you look at a four-hour round of golf, you're actually only golfing for about – and when I say golfing, I mean actually hitting shots for about five to eight minutes in four right. hours. So you got the rest of the time to be alone with your thoughts and, and things like that. And, you know, in, in golf, it's – you know, people are drawn to it because it's an individual sport, but it's also hard because it's an individual sport. You know, there's, there's no substitutes. You know, a coach can't pull you out and give you a, a little bit of a breather. You got to, you know, just fight through whatever's going on. You know, you don't have a teammate that, that can help you. You know, if, you know, on defense, if in basketball, if you get beat, you know, you've got a teammate that can help you. Well, in golf, it's you got to help yourself. And so – you know, yeah. I guess I just always fascinated by, you know, people who, who are really successful at doing things at a high level. Yeah. Rich Gordon is, is, is really a legend in the field and has done so many good things. And when you bring him up, I remember when I was playing football up at Utah state, he, he was, always like, Hey, if you want to come by, my office is open. And, and I, I really wish looking back on it that I would have used that office a little bit more, but, sure. uh, um, you know, you grow and you learn and you progress and you learn your lessons. Are there any <laughs> books that you've read? Are there any books that you've read lately or that you can tell our audience has been influential to the mental game for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Bob Rotella. I think, I think he's been, you know, he was maybe the first kind of well-known golf sports psychologist worked with a lot of top players, you know, and he was just able to break things down. You know, 
I mean, my favorite book of his is, you know, golf is not a game of perfect. And, you know, I, and that, that really resonated with me because I think when I was younger and always trying, I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted every swing to be perfect. I wanted every shot to be perfect. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted everything to be perfect. And it was, it was debilitating to me because there was so much pressure because I mean, as, as funny as it sounds now, I, I didn't realize then that there, there's, there's really no such thing as perfect. I mean, right. you know, you, there, there's the idea of perfection and I think we should always strive for it, but there, there's, you know, in golf to be perfect, you know, you'd, you'd have to make every shot you attempted, which as we all know, that's obviously not possible. I mean, so, you know, it, it was really kind of liberating to me when I was able to kind of figure out that I don't need to do everything perfectly to, you know, have a chance to play well, uh, you know, to break it down in its most simplest forms. Yeah. It's interesting as you were saying that one of the most perfect players ever always, uh, always has a great phrase that I hear with Tiger Woods, you know, he's, he says, it's not how good your good shots are. It's how good your bad shots are. Right. So without a doubt. So realizing that, you know, <laughs> upping the consistency of your worst shots is more important than all the good shots that you hit. And uh, yes. I think that plays along a little bit with what you're talking about. Nobody's going to play perfect. Even a, even a, even a baseball pitcher who throws a no hitter or uh, excuse me, a perfect game for, <laughs> for a terrible word for, for a performance. He throws balls all over the place. Oftentimes yeah. there's balls that were hit that, could have been a home run if they're just a foot to the right instead of a foot sure. to the left. And, you know, there's, there's some days where you just, you just don't throw as many good pitches and you still have a great performance. So yeah. I'm constantly talking about that. Like perfection is a great thing to, to chase and a terrible thing to beat yourself up about. right? right. <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, you know, and I think in golf, it also goes a little bit further in that, and it's this way in all sports. I always try to tell our guys that there's, there's a difference between a good shot and a good result. Just because right. you get a good result does not mean you hit a good shot. And just because you get a bad result doesn't mean you hit a bad shot. You know, when you play a game like golf, it's out, outside. Um, there's obviously uneven things everywhere. You rail a ball into the trees, it bounces out on the green three feet from the hole. That's not a good shot. It is a good result. And don't, don't confuse the two. I mean, and, you know, and again, it's about staying, you know, off the roller coaster. It's, it's funny. I think all golfers are this way, you know. I don't know a golfer that can't tell you every bad break they got for the last 10 years, but they can't name one good break. Right. You know, they, they just – their mind doesn't go to the good breaks, you know, the good bounces, it's the, the, the putt they misread. Yeah, it's the negativity bias. We all have it. Yep. We, we seem to try and learn from that negative thing that happens to us or to or – to, it's almost a protection mechanism, right? It's like this negative yeah. thing could happen, so I'm trying to avoid this. But I tell people all the time, you, you've forgotten all the times that you were really nervous before you played in this match or this game or – this performance and you did really well the natural thing to think to yourself is i got nervous i played terrible i got nervous this was a terrible result but there's all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of uh, experiences in your life if you really think about it where you were super nervous before something happened 
and then it worked out great and you played great or there was a great result. And so that negativity bias really does sometimes play mind games with us if we're not careful. Sure. No, without a doubt. So if I were to go back to your Utah State days or when you're playing after Utah State and playing competitively, what would your what would a group of your peers tell me if I said Scott will be successful because he blank? What do you think they'd say? I would hope they would say he'll be successful because he's a relentless worker. I've I've always enjoyed working. Um, uh, you know I, that goes back to my parents. You know, they were, they were uh, educators and they just, they instilled in us from day one that you don't get anything without working for it. And any, anything that you get without working for it, it just, it's not the same. It, it doesn't matter as much. And, and I just remember that lesson from, from early on and, and then just knowing that if I wanted anything, it was going to require a lot of work and a lot of effort. And that, that if I put in the work, if I really put in the work and I, and I really, you know, applied myself, that there wasn't anything I couldn't accomplish. And, you know, I, I always thank my mom and dad for, you know, instilling that in me. And, you know, hopefully now, you know, we're instilling it in our kids and stuff that, you know, there, there's no substitute for working hard. And if you, any, anything you're going to get out of this life is going to come from hard work. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I, I think sometimes it becomes cliche because so many people say it, but I, I do feel like hard work changes us fundamentally. I, I think it changes the inside of us. And then over time, that all the, the compilation of that hard work makes you a different person. It makes you a a more understanding person, a more patient person, a more successful person through that hard work. But it's uh well, you know, and I and I'll I'll add another word to that. It, it makes you more grateful. I mean, yep. I and because you know, along with hard work, I've also been fortunate. I, I've been around so many great people that have helped me. You know, some more than others. Some in you know very noticeable ways. Some in very not as noticeable ways, but, but no, nobody gets where they are without some help. And, and I'm so grateful for all the people, you know, big and small that have done things that have influenced my life and, and helped me get to where I am now. And, you know, and that, you know, again, that's another thing we try to, you know, it's important to us that our kids understand is that, you know, it's, it's good to be grateful and it's good to acknowledge people that help and, and want the best for you. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Really, really good point. Um, was there a coach or a, a single person or maybe someone who stands out to you who helped you with mindset or helped you with mentality when it came to playing and coaching golf? Um, or maybe you know, find yourself repeating them. <laughs> You know, there's been quite a few. Um, Dan Ross Kelly, who was my golf coach up at Utah State, one of the most calming influences I've ever had in my life. Uh, the guy does not get rattled by anything. 
he, he was just that, that constant that no matter what was going on out on the course, you could look over at Dan, whether you'd made six birdies in a row or six doubles in a row, he didn't change. And that, that provided a lot of comfort. You know, people lately that have really helped me, obviously Craig Sarlo has, has helped me. Uh, Rand, Randy Ray, you know, he's, he's probably taught me as much about being a coach. Just, you know, a coach, not a golf coach, but just a coach as, as anyone. I, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my friendship with him and, and for how willing he's always been to answer questions and, and try to, you know, take some basketball stuff and translate it to golf stuff and, and things like that. So I, you know, there's so many people, I, I hate to leave anyone out, but, but those three have probably helped me more than anyone. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, if you could go back 15, 20 years and give yourself advice, what would you say to a young Scott Erling? Uh, be more patient. Be more mindful. Enjoy, enjoy the moment. You know, you're always going to be working towards something, but, but don't forget to enjoy the moment. I, you know, I think when I was younger, I was always looking ahead and I, and I didn't, I didn't enjoy the, the here and now as much as I wish I would have. Right. Right. And you talked about that a little bit earlier. And I think, I think developing patience um, is, is, is a mental toughness, right? It's a mental toughness of sorts, understanding that you're a work in progress, understanding that you're working towards, perfection but it's not going to be perfect on the way you know and yep. uh, uh i think that's a great i think that's a great thought a great um a great tidbit um there are a lot of people right now that are struggling a little bit with covid19 there's there's a lot of ambiguity there's a lot of unknowns a lot of fear of the unknown and you know there quite frankly there's been some loss with 401ks and jobs and sure. um, you know, people that are getting sick. Do you have any, any thoughts or any words of encouragement to people out there that are struggling? Um, you know, I, I think one thing I know that's helped me is that I've, I've learned to appreciate and enjoy more little things, whether, you know, we, we're always so busy and we're always going so fast. And, you know, one thing that this, this pandemic has has done, you know, for, for me and, and my, it's really slowed things down. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're at home and stuff like that, and it doesn't seem like there's anything going on, you know, I've, I've kind of learned to enjoy, you know, going on a walk with my wife, uh, simple things like, you know, we're, we're lucky enough to, to live on a golf course out here in, in North Ogden, uh, watching the mowers, uh, getting out and, and playing a couple holes with my son, uh, you know, things that I guess were pretty easy to take for granted. But now I realize that, you know, th- these are, these are the things I'm going to try to remember when, you know, when we get past this, you know, and, and try not to get so ahead that I, I can't enjoy little things. So I'm, I'm just trying to be much more mindful about enjoying and, and looking for good. 
it's so easy to look for bad. It's so easy to look for, you know, things not going well, because there's a lot of that out there right now. I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful about, about looking for good. And even if it's little, even if it's tiny, but, but really looking for good and appreciating it. Yeah, I love that. There's, there's, there's a huge, I mean, you've brought it up twice now, but gratitude and, and looking for, for, for many things to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's huge benefit to it. The science and the research and all of that is in on, on grateful people being more healthy, having better relationships, living longer. There's even a study recently about um, uh, wartime soldiers um, when they're coming home from war, if they score higher on a gratitude scale, they actually have lower incidences of PTSD. So there's all kinds of science behind some of this gratitude that's really, really important. And I think it's, it's really important for us to realize that, especially in difficult times, because it's really easy to focus on the negative. Sure. So, man, I appreciate it. Coach, you're doing amazing things with these players. You're doing amazing things as a coach. And I hope that everybody's safe and that you're happy. And we really, really appreciate you spending just a little bit of time with us today. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and appreciate everything you do for, for me and for our teams. Uh, you're one of the people that make Weber State a great place to be. So it's, uh, we're thankful to have you. Thank you. It is a great place. And it, it was great long before I got there. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> to Thank you. I yep. appreciate it, Scott. No, thanks, Riley. Thank you. Take care. You too.